I've been advised by my lawyers this week that I can't complain about any Redditors. Uh, but you know what? Screw the rules. I don't play by any rules, so I'm going to do it anyway. I just replied to it. No. Um, <laughs> I don't. It's kind of crazy. They, you know, people are really upset about MVPs. Do you, is, do you guys agree? Like this year, even more than I thought last year, people were getting real pressed about it. This year, even more so. Maybe because the race is closer this year and there's more. I think viable, eligible candidates. I think last year it was like it was fearless, then it was lip, then it was leave, and you know, maybe a tiny bit of Harbin if you were based. Um, but it was really just like three guys, right? And all like separate points of the year. Whereas this year it's been like, I don't know. I think it's been like five different people at various points. Um, people are, you know, going all sorts of different directions. And this year more than ever, people are like really upset. That the inevitability of that it's probably going to be proper is looming upon them like the sword of Damocles, and people are, uh, well, the shock fans are loving it, um, and the people that understand the game are also loving it. But there's a lot of people that are just like, yeah, they're like truly upset about it. It's kind of crazy. I didn't see this last year. I feel like, I feel like if you look at what what people are compl actually complaining about, it's sort of an accumulation of a couple of effects. A, like I think it's fatigue of always hearing like. Proper is basically an alien sent down from the heavens to play some Overwatch. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is, is that also some fatigue of like DPS players being continuously nominated and winning it for like four seasons in a row. And I think that just converges in, in well, who this. Who cares about the last part? See, the last part just to me doesn't, it's like, oh no, the quarterback wins every year. It's like, yeah, and like. Yeah, but uh, like, I think. They're the best of the best. Like, fuck, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Yeah, and I think the, uh, the argument is that the other roles are uh, undervalued in the... the no, 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 that's, that's incorrect. They are valued. They're valued accurately, which is they're below the players that are actually in the awards. They're like, oh, you know, we oh, support's not valued. No, they are valued. They're just not as important in terms of, like, the literal impact and flashiness and just everything, all, all of my metrics across the board. Um, also, we have Deepay on. I'm sure we'll get his take in a hot second. Hello, Deepay is our special guest today. Hello. Um, as, uh, you know. Do, do we drag him up to our hill? Like, do you want to die on this hill with us? Like, do you think, generally speaking, the talent on the Flex DPS role is the highest out of all We're getting deep straight away. Just pull Deepay straight in there. We just go straight deep. Go for it, mate. Go for it. I mean, I think DPS is for sure, like, the DPS role has increased in value by a ton. I would say, like, in Overwatch 1, if I had to choose, like having a strong tank line was really, really important. Having everything is really important, especially in 222. Like everything was really important, but you can see the impact that some of these DPS have. And it's crazy. If you have proper and Kev and you're not making it to the top two or lip, like if you're not making it to your respective top two of your region, you're somehow trolling, I, I think, right? Like, uh, like truly and honestly, I, I think that the impact is so big. You play yeah, against thanks. it and the amount of like quote unquote clutch moments that you have is insane. But that's why I think like people like Hanbin and Shu are so cool as well because they're playing a role where you don't have this like quote unquote flashiness as much, but their effect on the game is just as high. So, I mean, I think Overwatch 2 is just like such an individual based game and we're seeing a lot of individuals shine, like yeah. truly exceptional. And I think that's why this year it's like much more uh, widespread. Whereas in Overwatch 1, it was like, oh, best team. I think like Shanghai and Dallas last year got every every award because they had won like the first three tournaments and then the awards were decided by then right um so i think that's why this year like it's more spread about um 
especially like I guess Glads have won like two of the first tournaments, so like naturally their candidates should be there. But like you look at it and it's like wow, okay, they have really good players in all the roles, so it's not like this clear like one one hard man carry. Whereas like on shock, when you look at like effectiveness, it is like a lot, a lot of proper right. Um, so yeah, I, that's at least my take on on why this year might be more close and uh, I guess contentious. Yeah. What you described, I think, is good for the game, though, right? Like, I, one of my one right. of my wishes for Overwatch Two was like, you know, with the reduction of CC, the reduction of things that will generally prevent gameplay, right? You know, like this, the removal of the second tank as well, as I mentioned, reduction of CC. Um, that just allows not just DPS, especially DPS, but not just DPS, everyone to pop off more. Um, and you get way more cooler moments. And actually, I, I, if anything, I think it's helped players like Harmon and Shu and Smurf pop off and yeah. raise their stakes as well. Because I think those guys would have had potentially, you know, uh, well, it really depends, but maybe less of an impact on previous seasons. I mean, the impact would be different because with the change in the game. But like everyone, everyone's individual impact, I feel like, is seen more. Um, but because it's especially so for DPS, even though support and tank can also be seen doing more cool things now. That's like twice as effective for DPS players. So, uh, but I think that's positive for the game because, like, when you watch a sport, when you watch an esport, when you watch anything that's competition, um, you want to be able to see the cool things happening and be able to appreciate that and be able to quantify that tangibly, uh, and then you know have a level of fandom behind it because everyone remembers the clutch players, everyone remembers the cool moments. So, you look at any other sport, you look at any other, you know, esport especially. Um, you, you people people remember the the Faker versus Ryu is one of the greatest esports moments in history. You know, moment thirty seven yeah. in, in Evo and stuff like that. It's just you know it's, it's what you need. You need that kind of thing to happen in your game, yeah. Rather you than like oh that being shut moments. down. Yeah, can you imagine if like can you imagine if like you know oh sorry there's just there's too much things in the game that shut down plays. Oh those just plays just get deleted. This just never happened, right? So yeah, I having those plays enabled is great. Yeah, I think one of the hard things about Overwatch, which is why it was it's interesting when it was first uh, made that it was like a game for esports, is that I think all the vantage points are I don't and they're not equally as important, but they are all very very important. Like Overwatch is a fun game because uh, I describe this as compared to like traditional sports, one player has the ball in traditional sports, so like naturally things are weighted towards the person with the ball, and in fact mm -hmm. action can is like pivoted around the ball, puck, whatever whatever it is, right? Um, in Overwatch. 10 players have the ball uh and so like everyone's impact is super high because everyone can have an impact whether or not like one role in particular is like slightly weighted right now it should be 20 percent across the board let's say dps it's like 22 percent, right which i think would be like that's a lot um i know it's doesn't seem like a lot but that's 10 percent more than originally and you take away 10 percent from everyone else uh mm -hmm. part of the pie that's huge and uh i guess like I think that's why Overwatch is hard to spectate sometimes is because everyone said, is everyone is doing a cool thing at once and it's hard to spectate all these moments. I do not envy like um the the Blizzard spectating staff, the OBS Sojourn Bastion, those guys. Hmm. Uh it, it is very hard. I've thought about like how to do it and even if I was like I, I would have to be like a top tier coach and like then I would have to be able to dissect the game and like do it live, you know, as strategies develop. Um and like listen to comms and see what's going on. But yeah, that's yeah, I think that's part of why Overwatch is like hard, but it's also great because you can have so many different highlights. Everyone can have such high impact, which is why I think like people enjoy playing it more than watching it, which is good. Like I think it's great if people like 
playing the game um, versus watching it personally. I, I just to comment on the whole ball thing that you mentioned there. I think it's like I think that's like mostly correct, but I would also additionally say that it's not ten people with the ball in an equal manner. Like I'd say DPS would be more skewed towards doing more cool things with said ball more often, right? So yeah, yeah everyone's got a ball. The DPS are probably taking more shots on goal more often, and et cetera, right? Right. Yeah. Because um, they they would still be the the I, I don't watch enough soccer. They'd be the, what the forwards like. They they'd be the strikers. They'd be the guys hitting the ball into yeah. the into the into the goal. So I mean, like, and which by the way, those are also the people that get the most awards uh, in in their sport. The goalies don't get awards. Sorry, they they really don't. Um, the goalies are very important. Agreed. <laughs> ex- yeah. But they are very important, and no one says they're not important. I think this is the, the part where the conversation yeah. breaks down for a lot of people because they think, oh, um, the casters and the and and the players and coaches and all the people in the league only talk about DPS. Uh, they they clearly don't. They clearly undervalue supports. They clearly don't think they're important. That's not true. We all think they are very important. We all agree supports are very important, right? I think um, I speak very positive positively about supports. The issue is. They're the goalies of the sport. They're the they're the linesmen of the sport. And linesmen, if anyone knows NFL, they're they're fucking important. They win you games, but they're not the ones doing. The, they're they're not the ones scoring you points. They're the ones enabling the quarterback and the running back, etc., to score the points. And the people that score the points are going to end up getting the awards because whether you like it or not, the execution of making the game winning play. Is going to end up being more important than the than than the enabling of that game winning play. Even though, like, if you didn't have the enabling of it, you might not get the execution of it. But the execution of it was what is impressive at the end of the day, more yeah. so than the, the than than the enabling it from from all tangible ways. And I actually feel like that's even more so the case in games like Overwatch and just esports in general, where like, I mean, even if even if your supports are dead, if you are just good enough at the game as a DPS, you can will your th- way through and just clutch a fight against all odds. In games like Counter Strike, even though what well, everyone can kind of fucking carry in that game because there's there's less quote unquote supporting. Um, but you know what I mean, right? Like like you know in 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 League of Legends and stuff like that. If you're fed enough, if you're good enough at the game mechanically, you can just like one vx your way through situations. That you can't do as a support. It's just it's just not going to be possible. The role isn't designed to do that. The role isn't designed to carry. I said this in my reply to someone today. DPSs carry and supports support. That's just how the roles are. Like you can't you can't fight against that. Like that's just how the roles are. It doesn't mean think, you, doesn't mean we undervalue supports. It just means you, you have to be realistic about what the roles do. I think it also becomes a self fulfilling prophecy in some way because if you look at how talent fu- funnels, right. I'm the most talented player in the world. I look at the game. I look at the, you know, people I'm inspired by that get the most prestige, that get the highest salaries, and I choose my role. And more often than not, it's going to be DPS, isn't it? Just because of those inherent, like, it it is more prestigious. It it you know it provides more resources. Therefore, the best talent also goes into that role, and it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy beyond what even. You know, just at the base level, this game is, and therefore, like, I, I don't think it inherently is is a problem to say that flex DPS is the most stacked role. I don't think it's a perception issue that even the team, yeah. as thoroughly mediocre this season, has someone as incredible as Choicey One, right? Yeah. So, I, I think like 
it, it's it's a hard to swallow pill. I agree. I also think no, it's not. we had. No, it's not. Yeah. If you're based and you just and you look at and you you're you can look at things objectively and you're realistic, it's not fucking hard to swallow but, at all. Sorry, it's, it really isn't. But people want to like yes, you you can could just say okay, I'm just going to be inspired or like be a fan of the best tank player. If I myself play tank. I don't want to be like a second class role, right? Like I I want to see the same prestige given, especially if I feel is unjustified that, uh, you know, there's an unequal share. And but I think that's we, why people like you know Shu and Shu and uh, like Hanbin a lot because they are shining in these roles. Yes. Like they're truly shining in these roles where that are otherwise not considered like uh, that that are not typically considered like shinable spots. So, uh, and I think the the game is moving in a good direction where like there's heroes like Ana and Kiriko. Like I still think Ana is like the best design support where like skill is really exhibited and it's just like. It is skill on skill on skill on Ana. You yeah. are always outskilling people, and there are highlightable moments, like Avril was saying as well. So I, I definitely think like you know, that's why that's going back to the original question. That's why things are so contentious this year, and that's why yeah. I think Overwatch Two is so much cooler than Overwatch One Two. There's just it's, a lot more of that. Also, keep in mind, Avril. Everyone like it's a new game. Everyone tries to argue their point as things are very malleable in the public like you you once again get a chance like a soft mmr reset if you want to establish your role's I mean, placement you know yeah and, and and even with a soft mmr reset where we are basically like every single pro player that's already reached gm1 like what do we do now wins top 500 coming out uh <laughs> didn't take long to read didn't take long to get back to gm1 not gonna lie to you so soft soft reset or not uh we we're i in my opinion we are just back to where we are um sure. and yeah, I don't know. Like, I, disagree, yeah. I I may be more dismissive, and I'm just like, yeah, it's not it's not that hard. You just look at it and be like, boom, you know, DPS clearly the most important role. Um, everyone agree. Everyone who's sorry for sound like a dickhead. Everyone who's knowledgeable. No, I'm not sorry for that. Everyone who's knowledgeable uh, agrees. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess we could move on now. I guess we could actually get into into things. <laughs> probably been talking about this for a while but we can actually get into the episode proper and like uh proper and we can talk about like uh you know some of our actual picks uh in deepay's case is like what he would have picked um and getting the nitty-gritty of it so without further ado also by the way it's uh carpe's birthday so happy birthday carpe um, and obviously, like you guys don't know this, but DPS birthdays are also more important than support birthdays. Yeah, I just said something to just to purposely <laughs> annoy people. Dude. It's also yeah, my I'm brother's to... birthday today. Just out of yeah, uh, I need to call him. So that's like a. Is your brother a DPS player or a support player? Uh, when he did play, I think he played DPS actually. Okay, so good, good. So important. he's so his yeah. so his birthday is more important. It's, than, it's understandable. More, yeah, it's yeah. a yeah, it's more valid. It's more valid. What would yeah. guys? What would a what would a support player have to do on their birthday to be valued as much as DPS play on their birthday? I'm I don't, I'm kidding. That's a that's Lady a Genji. Um, <laughs> episode two sixty six. Episode two sixty six brought to you by Avril Vista Bebe, Battle Crab, Refine Bean, Bronze Bob Buha, Picasso, Chris R three four 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 four, Cash sixty seven. Lulshin, Porkshop Sammy, Rick Sane, Volumon Smooth Nuts with YouTube members, I Sam Jello, William Jesse, Vishman, Fileman 6, AK and Chris R. I really do wonder how many people I just reeled in with that last bait. Um, the answer is definitely more than one, as I usually do weekly. So, cool. Um, at this point, everyone submitted their votes in. I was on Plaid Chat recently. It was, to no one's surprise, 
proper across the board for actually maybe maybe it was a little surprising because i was actually kind of on the fence a little bit i was considering smurf a lot like really 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 a lot because i was also coming from the perspective of like who's my first round draft pick right i think that's a a pretty reasonable way of looking at mvp sometimes um but it, we, at the end of the day everybody on the panel went uh with pro not that we decided the time we just kind of revealed who we voted officially everyone went proper for rookie of the year and mvp um are you guys oh, I and i'll i guess I'll, I'll say and then i'll justify it later i also went with toby for coach of the year um so we'll just do the main awards first do you guys want to talk about uh, who you went for or for Deepay who you would have gone for and then we can sort of as a group discuss those options and sort of go over why we might have done that sure oh, go, ahead. First, or? Yeah. go ahead uh yeah I think for rookie uh of the year and MVP I would go with proper as well I think it's just impact I think not winning winning MVP and then not winning rookie of the year is kind of weird I, I feel like it's just who is the most outstanding rookie and I think that it was clearly proper, like kind of regardless of what you think of the MB MVP question. Uh, and then like my framing for like why I think he's also the MVP is like uh, which individual person has the highest impact is what I view as like MVP. Uh, mm -hmm. And just like which individual has the highest impact either on their team or just like in the game as a whole. Um, and I do think that shock without proper looks so, so much different uh, personally. Um and like what they're able to do, what they're able to achieve is so different without proper. And I think that answer might be wrong, but I definitely think it's easy for rookie of the year for him. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I also went uh, proper MVP rookie of the year as well. The reason why, like, I think even if you were under the impression that like you should only win one, which I don't support as an idea, but keep in mind there's no universal rules as to how you will negotiate what what someone else is going. So someone might say, okay, it's more important to go uh, to get the MVP, so I'm only voting proper for MVP. The other person might say, I'm only voting uh, proper for rookie and not MVP. And then suddenly the vote turns out because we have this avoidance strategy that proper gets nothing, and like that's stupid, right? <laughs> like that yeah. that shouldn't be the uh, the case. So I think prop double yeah. proper is the is the safe option here. And then, I I'm I'm sorry, but I'm I'm sticking to my guns in terms of if I look at coaching and where it is most apparent to me, it comes down who does the most with the least. And there, mm -hmm. I couldn't like it, last year. I I probably I would have to look it up again. I don't think I did did give it to get a maced, but I mean this year, like whatever you thought get a maced is, Christopher double tripled that in value right like we all had london like dead last and now they're like a top six locked in mm. for playoffs team or actually are they locked in yet i don't think so actually they got a clinch right so but still like that's way outperforming the resources that he had also like the expectations some of those players actually got way better i'll 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 be honest you you want to you want me to like be very frank and tell you like one of my biggest misses probably of like estimating player value is like very early in the season i was like to chris do you have the resources to find a new flex dps because i think think like that, that backbone is tanking your chances and then backbone like really got a lot better after stage one mm -hmm. and actually provided a ton of uh value 
it also um, you know being able to flex and keep in mind like that's that this this is a team not it's not like they i think they probably beat like one team in negotiations where they got poco instead of the paris eternal everything else is probably not first like everyone else that ended up there probably london wasn't their first choice right like this is a bread like whatever bigger team the crumbs that fall to a wayside team that somehow got top six and i gotta reward that and say chris before we get too deep into coach of the year my bad <laughs> um we, we can actually hold on to it um okay. have a little suspense because i actually wanted to go over the proper stuff first the mvp rookie of the year just so we, we don't skip over it and then we can get because i want to talk about coach of the year in a little bit more depth especially since you're here david so um i don't want to just gloss over it so we'll, we'll do it chronologically here since we started with mvp etc um is this year this is a little bit more hypothetical because i don't know everyone's voting I'm, I'm sure that you guys probably don't know either is this do you feel like this year is more of a sweep for mvp or definitely it's for rookie let's just be clear i think it is for rookie but you think it could be a bigger sweep in MVP than almost any other year that we've had? Because it looks like right. I don't for 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 reference. I do not know of a single person with an official ballot who has not gone for proper. Mm -hmm. Now, now, the caveat to that is I haven't asked everybody. I ha I don't. I haven't looked at everyone's ballots. But of the ones that I officially know of, everyone's gone for proper. Are we looking at the, one of the biggest sweeps ever? Looking at the past winners, uh, it was Jonak 2018, Sinatra 2019, Fleta mm -hmm. 2020, and Leave. And I think those were like contentious, I think, at the time. Um, this might be. At the same time, I know a lot of like GMs vote for this, and I don't know if they have like the same. When you're in a scrim against proper, it's just different. I, I don't know what to say. Scrim match. <laughs> it's just different. They don't they don't feel the pressure. I'm not even a player. I don't know what it's like as a player, but as a coach, I'm just looking and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like, could someone have more impact? And it just looks when you look at good players POV, it just looks easy and proper, it just looks easy and just like finesse. It just looks like I don't know. It just looks like he's finessing everyone and it just looks so simple. I don't know if the GMs feel the same because oftentimes uh, they they end up voting because coaches can't be fucked to vote. To be honest, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know, but I imagine it could be one of the bigger I, landslides. I've I heard um unto describe proper to me as like he describes proper to me in this way. Sometimes when I watch his POV and tracer duels, he looks like he gets bored midway through as he's winning. <laughs> That's a quote from Unter. Proper looks like he gets bored midway through the tracer duel and he just like stops trying and he still wins. It's just, it's unbelievable. That's what I'm saying is like, pe people think like, oh, if they're biased towards proper, it's like, bro, you guys have not, you guys are not seeing the POVs. You guys have not, you guys don't, you don't feel the pressure game. You need to ask the people that are playing against proper what it's like to play against proper. It sh the shit hits different. It really hits different. And no matter how good some of these other like positions are, they're not they're not messing with you the way proper is just messing with you in the server right i mean am i crazy david no i, I don't think you are but i think like there there's something to be said like i i really was like considering hanbin a lot for this mvp yeah. vote because sure. i think yeah, it's like when he is in like dallas's strategy dallas's teamwork just everything looks so much better and they have had higher highs than san francisco shock so like uh like i i think arguing that is like very reasonable but I, I just think like 
yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think Hanbin is like a really, really cool MVP candidate because yeah, he is he is really, really like dominating games and like his impact. Uh, like when he's playing, it doesn't look flashy either. When you look at Hanbin POV, it just looks correct. <laughs> um, and yeah, his team yeah. plays around him so well that you know that that's to be argued of of like a team synergy thing. That's why it's like hard to gauge him. But I think that's a really cool aspect is when they put Fearless in. Fearless is like a still a high quality player. Like, um, but Hanbin is like clearly someone that they they like can pivot around that they can make a strategy around and and make things work with. And my uh, yeah, I think that's really cool as well. I've always felt like in this situation and this year, I'm I'm just going to it it will suck and it will also suck to hear for Dallas fans and maybe even for the head coach. But I think rush through Hanbin's uh, MVP chances by substituting Fearless. It makes sense. Look, after the season you've had, you're not getting rid of one of those tank players if you can afford them. Like you would be crazy to to not go into the new season with Fearless and Hanbin, right? Right now, you come into into this year. Hanbul's hero pool is immediately good. This guy is the drill sergeant of this team, like he is the comms of this team, right? So then you get into the stage where monkey is good. If you then don't let fearless play, then you might as well not have fearless on the roster. Like you got to, I think in my mind, you got to justify to a player their existence on that team. He substitutes. They could have played Doomfist, and I'll tell you what, they would have dominated that stage as well, much more so than they ended up uh, doing. And because when someone like Proper is in the season and does it for the entirety of the the relevant time frame where we vote on, while Hanbin is out for for a respective amount of time, then it gets harder to consider him. Of course, by contrast, seeing like what this team is capable of with Fearless and Hanbin it becomes very apparent what this guy is made of and what this guy brings to the team. But I cannot, you know, give it to him then if, you know, like, I, I don't know what it would have meant. Maybe they try to force him to play Monkey, and he can't. And then suddenly I look at Smurf, but Smurf can play all, all the other tanks, even the off tanks that he should have a weakness on, right? So I have to evaluate that against that. And I feel in a, in a world where Hanbin plays the entire time, and I very well understand why Rush probably feasibly can't do that this season. If he plays the entire time, I could see that he is someone that beats proper this year, just because also of the you know the what, achievements well, and and whatnot. Would he have played a good enough Winston? Would he have I don't think they play Winston. Ryan or they just don't. Yeah, I think they, you can um, I mean, play I mean, Doom that. Well, I would, I would hope that Rush uh, can make that call. I mean, I think Dante and Hawk and Ryan have proved that you could have, you could have easily one trick Doom most of the way through the season. So I guess I would agree. Um, I also, I want to comment on that Rush comment a little bit as well because, like, I, I know you didn't mean it this way, but it sounds like you're almost saying like Rush, like almost intentionally through. And you didn't yeah, say that, no. but you didn't mean it like that. But just to clarify from my perspective as well, it's like. I respect that guys like Rush, they're not playing for awards. They're not like, they're not sitting yeah. there thinking like, oh, I should probably keep Harmon in to help his MVP. No, he's just trying to win. So yeah. he's doing the right thing. That's based. He's just trying to win. And then that's what you should be doing. No one, no one should be making substitution calls based on who they think is getting awards. You should only be doing that based on whether that's increasing your chances of winning the game literally in front of you or not. Um, yeah, so based Rush making 
the correct sure. substitute, at least in his mind at the time, like making correct substitutions. Trying to optimize his team, right? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Valuable. You need to go through that exploration process as a coach. Yeah. Um. And so, I I actually would have said my honorable mention is Smurf because that that was the guy I was tossing up. Um. And it's it's hard because here's the here's the thing for me between Harbin and Smurf. It's what's really funny about all this is we had this giant conversation about like oh you know it's the DPS award DPS is won every year. Funnily enough, I think that the number two and number three for me were actually both Harbin and Smurf. I'm gonna lie to you. Like uh, maybe Glad's fans will be a little upset that I that I you know I, I left Kevster out and maybe put him fourth. But the, the race this year was not between just a bunch of DPS players. So ironically, all the all the people that are like yeah DPS bias blah blah blah. It's like no, my second choice was Han was Smurf, and my third choice would have been Harmon. So if proper, literally if proper didn't exist. This year's MVP, my vote for MVP this year would have gone to a tank player, right? Checkmate, atheist. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's it, it, on one hand it is very DPS biased, but on the other hand, it's it's actually not as well. It's really not as well because I think that what did it for me was proper just his existence in the server, what he's doing, what he's doing this year is like leave and then more. The fact that you're doing leave and then more means that, like, I can't not give it to proper because of my criteria for why I gave it to leave last year was was so strong, and someone's doing even more than that this year. It's like, well, fuck. If I got if I'm gonna be consistent, then I gotta go. I gotta go again. I gotta go for this guy because he's he's doing he's doing the things that I believed made leave an MVP last year, and I think proper's even better than that as a player. I think proper's a better player than leave was last year. I don't know if that's a hot take, but it's gonna be my take. Um, and if proper didn't exist this year, if he was 17 and couldn't join the league, Smurf would be my MVP. Maybe Harmon would be. I actually think Harmon is individually like a mechanically stronger player than Smurf. Yes. But Smurf, Smurf's value to Soul this year is unbelievable. As the only available tank option, he he just he he was right at the top and just a solid rock for Soul the entire time. At no point did I ever feel like, oh man, Smurf is. He's the problem on this team. No point this entire year, even when they were losing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I look at it as like uh, it was a pretty close race for me. Like it, it literally, I was I was right at the end on submission. I was on the last day of submission. And I'm like, fuck, who's my MVP? And then when I thought about it, I was like, I got to go proper. So there it is. I think there's a strong. I would have a strong argument for Kevster. Uh, I I don't know, and this is like no bias. I just think Kevster does the same things as proper just like slightly less <laughs> uh so like for me i i would i i would be like if proper didn't exist i think kev might be would still yeah. probably be my number one he has won two tournaments he has done things True. proper can't do could be a team diff right like or obviously like that's a what team are you on like if we switched kevin proper i would expect more or less the same result um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think Kevster, what he's doing is like really understated because it's perhaps because you expect it from Kevster at this point. I think the same with Lip. Like you kind of just expect these things um, from these like all-star players and then Proper just comes in this year and he looks dominant so, and he is. But I think Kevster is, you know, the Swedish Proper or the yeah. Yeah, Swedish the Proper. Swedish proper. Oh God. Proper is the Korean Kev. Uh, I've heard it they both call him, they call him the <laughs> They call him the Proper from Stockholm. Um, we used to make that joke in ba like back uh, in Hawaii. I remember we were making that joke about like how good proper is and then proper. Yeah, 
Proper is the the Swedish Kevster, and and Kev is the. <laughs> It's career. ironic because I, I think yeah. a lot of I think a lot of the Kev supporters this year might be Stockholm syndrome. No, but all, in all seriousness, David, <laughs> uh, it's really interesting that you uh, what, what we just talked about there. I'm going to probe you a little bit on that, and um, and then we'll get Jesker in as well. But because um, I think for a lot of people, especially if you are in the DPS camp, now I've talked about we've talked about the tank and support camp of people in, in terms of that support. I've even advocated for tanks. So uh, again, checkmate atheist, come at me. Um, Let's talk about the proper Kevster race as well, because I think for a lot of people that was that was their number one and their number two, right? Mm. Uh, in terms of who and and because I remember um, on Plight Chat we talked about proper and Kevster, and it lit up the entire chat, and it was like twenty minutes of fighting in the chat between the proper <laughs> the proper supporters and the Kev supporters. Um, and you you've cut, first of all you in this discussion you've put proper down as MVP rookie of the year. Um, You've said that Kevster is kind of like maybe slightly worse than proper, um, and I I I want to probe you about like um, the fact that a lot of the a lot of the defense for Kevster is like well he's won two he's won two titles this year he's won two tournaments right. uh, you can't give it to proper because he hasn't won anything that's that's the line of obviously I don't agree with that but that's the line of play that people are coming in with. So as someone that's gone for proper here and says that Kevs is maybe just below him, where do you sit on that kind of discussion? I mean, I think, uh, like, I think Kev, like, skill-wise, or, like, overall impact on the game is lower than than uh, proper, but I don't think it's by, like, this crazy amount. Compared, it goes, like, proper, Kev, every other DPS in the league. Like, yeah. Like yeah. that that's like the impact, but like the difference between this and this is like small enough that it's like, you know, I could argue that like because Kev has won, he has like shown more from it. But in my opinion, the Glads roster is better than the shock roster. So if he loses Great. in that head to head, like is that is that their problem? Is that proper's problem? You know, like um and you know, you could say I, I haven't like looked deeply into proper's performances on those big games, but has he performed on those big games? Uh, you know, just based off results, you can easily say that Kev performed better. Um, and I would say that also, like, of the heroes, like, I think Proper's Genji is, like, so much better than Kev's. I think it's so much better than a lot of people's, to be honest. Uh, whereas, like, Tracer was more equal when they did the head-to-head. -head. Like, Kev's best hero by far and away is Tracer, as is Proper's. Mm -hmm. Like, I actually don't know if that's Proper's, but Proper's, like, very good on Tracer as well. And, like, in that head-to-head, -head, like, I would argue that they're very similar. I don't know how it would be for Echo. I'd be really interested if Echo was, like, hard meta, like, that, what that would look like, Sojourn hard meta, and Kev had to play it type of thing, what that would look like. Um, but just in the head-to-head -head that they had in the mid-season madness, they had a Tracer head-to-head, -head, and I thought, like, that is Kev's for sure best hero, and that is something, like, statistically as well, I'm pretty sure he lies, like, around or, around or, like, above proper in some categories, mm -hmm. whereas, like, uh, I'm pretty sure I looked at some Genji stats, and while Kev is, like, a very, very good Genji, he's very good. I'm not complaining if I ever have Kev on my roster and he's playing Genji, just to be clear. But proper, by far, and shows that he's, like, exceptional, exceptional, exceptional. So, yeah. um, like, he pulls away in that category. And Glads did go, like, what, 2-4 and four on that stage, so you can you can argue against that. But, like, I still think qualitatively, like, proper's Genji is, like, so much better. So, you know, I can see an argument for both, and I wouldn't... I would be very happy for Kev if he got the award because, like, I think he doesn't get enough appreciation, That's honestly. Because, um, like, yeah, he doesn't get enough appreciation. I think, like, you were even talking about last year for Leave. I think Leave is an amazing player, but I think, like, in terms of individual, like, 
skill, like Kev was far better than Leave. Um, and I'll, I I stand by that. I I think. Okay. Um, yeah, but you know, I can understand why he wanted just because of the framing, uh, of the like situation that he was in in Chengdu. So he is really exceptional. Just to be clear, we're we're talking about like these top players and like these inches uh, in this imaginary fucking diagram that I'm putting mm. with my hands. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I like you brought two up, points up. One is like a pet peeve of mine, which is I think like looking at stats is fine. I think there's the one problem that I sometimes see with in the community is like a lack of sophistication what stats mean. Like just let me just post like one one direct modifier where I can tell you like comparing like even kills per 10 and whatnot makes you not miss the entire plot if you just compare numbers, which is which team takes more fights per turn? So if Shock takes significant, let's say 20% less fights per turn, and yes, that could be because of Proper, but if they take less fights per turn, but uh, Proper has just the same amount of uh, kills per turn that Kev does, then that's different, right? What you should be looking is at like kill percentage, right? At first kill percentage, that's always been a huge stat in Overwatch. Like whoever gets the first kills, that's the guy that makes the most impact because first kills most of the time decide fights, right? I don't think it has changed significantly in, in Overwatch 2. So um, I think there needs to be way more, you know, nuance to the stats debate. And then the second mm. question is, and I, I don't know how, uh, David, how, how deep you want to get into this, but I think a common talking point that I see across social media is like, okay, so... In order to argue that Proper is above Kevster, and Kevster still wins trophies, you have to necessarily say that pound for pound Glatz is better, or they have better, whatever it is. As a team, they are better, right? Mm -hmm. And then the pound for pound comparison gets brought up, and I think a lot of people don't understand why Shock, like, it feels like, and I, I agree to it uh, to a certain extent, is people who push Proper have an inclination to say, oh yeah, Violet is mid, you know, like Sam is mid, Kalush is mid, therefore Proper had to carry for almost perfect season type of, type of stuff, right? In order to make the uh, the argument stronger. So where do you fall on that? Like where specifically is Glad's better pound for pound, if you have to say? I think it depends on the meta, right? Like if we're just going off the mid-season one where they faced off uh, like more directly in the finals, um, I, I actually think that Shock, like... Even I would talk to the Glads coach after the Glads coaches after, and they were like, "I don't know how Shock doesn't win this tournament. It's their meta." Um, and I would tend to agree that like you know Violet and Finn is, is like really good, but I, I think like I guess I think the tank was very important. It had like lower impact, but I think Kalusha's hero pool wasn't particularly good for that meta. Is is my opinion? Um, at least like Diva wasn't thought to be that good. I think it was like buffs, and I also think people are like. With the addition of Sombra, it's quite different compared to Tracer Sojourn, where I think you wanted to play uh, Winston. So I think that was like a big point is like the main main tank. Not that it was a difference; it was just like you know one one player plays this, one player plays that. They might be overall equally as skilled, but the expression of their skill in the meta is a bit different, right? Um, and I think you have two relatively like weaker Sojourns, let's say, like statistically, Patty and Sam, I don't think are like all stars on Sojourn. You you would much rather have a different uh, Sojourn player if you could, right? So 
I think they were like kind of equal-ish in that tournament, to be fair. I think it was like actually kind of equal. So that's why, you know, I, I think a, there could be like a really strong argument for Kevster because it's pound for pound, like kind of equal. Um, and then like maybe a little diff, little diff, little diff here and there, and then maybe a team diff, you know, either whether that's coaching or cohesion or whatever you want to put it, or just like day diff, you know, like sometimes you perform better on some days than others. Um, is that not really Shock's tournament? You know, you could argue one way or another. I'm sure Shock would have loved to have that back uh, in a lot of different ways, but they didn't perform well on the day because they, I, I believe Shock won the upper bracket finals, right? Or won the upper bracket and then Glads came from the yeah. lower bracket, right? Yep, correct. So like, it's it's clear that they demonstrated like an ability to win. It's but it's like you know on a day you need to perform, and uh, so that's why I again I think you, you could make a stronger argument for Kevster personally. Like I, I think that you I I really could make a stronger argument for Kevster. I, he's like my number two pick. Um, Hanbin's just a cool different pick in, in terms of why I think he's he could be considered MVP. But I would actually put Kev uh, as my second pick if proper didn't exist. Yeah. It's like, and even between proper and Kev, I think it's like quite close. But it, you know, I'm I'm pretty happy to put proper there as well. I, I the final final conversation about proper at all, and then we we have to move on to mm-hmm. coach because we still got playoffs to talk about. So very very final topic here, and, and it's just something I thought of while we were talking. Um, what is your, what has been your impression so far on the flexibility of these these players, uh, David? Because when I look at proper right now. Shocker brought Striker back on to play the Tracer, and Proper moved across to the hit scan, or it might as well just be the Sojin role now. Um, but I'm also aware of Percy from my time covering Proper. This flexibility of going on to just about every hero required. You know, I've told the stories in contenders where, you know, he played, he was the best Ash during the Ash Manic contenders career. He was the best Echo, he was the best Widowmaker, he was the best XYZ, whatever hero the team required. He was the number one at that. And this is with Pelican on the team, by the way. Um, yeah. So you've you've worked with Kev for a very long time, and so um, I, I look at like flexibility and in, in, in terms of value as well for stuff like MVP. But what, what do you rate? What do you rate Kev on like some of the non-traditional flex DPS picks? Like if he has to start moving into hit scan, not not that I think he is really required to do that this year, especially not with Happy right. on the team currently. But like you know, when you look at Proper and he's just like he he's the best Genji on the team, and then now he's also just the best Sojourn on his team as well, flexing between the two DPS roles. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, Proper is a coach's wet dream, uh, I'm pretty sure, because his <laughs> understanding of the game is just fucking insane, I think. I think that's something Kev doesn't have. He's not... Like, some players aren't able to articulate why something is good, which is fine, but they're able to do the right thing in the game. Kev is able to do that, but the way Proper is able to tie, like, the whole 5v5, like, everyone else's character into the game is why, like, I also rate Proper. Uh, From what I understand about his comms as well, he gives, like, briefing, uh, Koreans call it briefings, like, plans to other players of, like, how they should play in this certain fight. And I don't know, like, if he has, like, it's either intuitive or, like, he talks about it after in review and he's like, okay, the Zen moved this way, I wanted to move this way because he has trance and then I know I can get a kill on him there because he doesn't have trance. You know, I don't know if he's, like, explaining it in this level of detail. I don't actually know, like, because as a coach, that's how I have to explain things. I'm like, Zen moved this way, we moved this way, like, uh, we have some... uh, advantage over here i doubt any player like really thinks that way because that's like uh as coaches we have to break it down for players as to why a play is good but proper like gives briefings seem to seems to understand the game as a whole no matter what character he's on i've seen him play tank in scrims and he is just exceptional on tank as well his (laughs) understanding of the game and like how he controls his team it's clearly around him like i think they were like 
fucking about with him on Zarya. He played Hog in one of our scrims. And it's just, you know, Hog is, like, a very independent hero, but he's probably, like, giving briefings on, like... Or people are just looking at him in the game and then making a plan off of him. Shock players aren't dumb. It's not like they're being mind-controlled by proper or anything. So I'm not sure what level of briefing, but that is something that I've always wanted Kev to do, you know, personally. Like, I I'm saying, like, this will make you the next level player. And proper is actually that. Um, so that's why it's really hard for me to give proper not the vote just because i think he has these qualities that i like perfectly thought of as like this is the perfect dps player this is the perfect player the perfect dps player and kev is like one one step away from that but like kev is still really good and exceptional at what he does and like this idea of a perfect dps player is impossible but kev or sorry proper literally is that mm -hmm. in my mind so like yeah i i think losing with this guy is just like is crazy. <laughs> I think losing with Robert is crazy, crazy. Like, that is a nope. difficult challenge, uh, personally. <laughs> like, yeah. Avril Dipay is just about to say proper was also his coach of the year. That's exactly the type of speech you would get. What from. is, uh, what <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say as well as like, so what you're saying, David, is, uh, Christopher is right. And that uh, the best flex DPS players could also just be the best tanks and supports, as proven by Profit playing Brig this year, and also by Dante's role swapping to tank this year, and what you're saying about proper and scrims. And by the way, everyone remembers that story from Harsh from back in the day of like, yeah, you remember the uh, remember Vancouver Titans with the Runaway Titans and how like, yeah, they played against O2 Blast and Proper was just fucking on them with Zarya. Yeah, that story is still out there. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's enough proper talk for one day. Um, to avoid being stun locked on proper for the for the show, we're gonna officially move on now. But that was a great discussion and honestly provided some really insane insight that I, I did I didn't even know. Because obviously you scrimming against proper, playing against him all the time. I mean that's just a level of uh there's just some extra like extra stuff in there that I don't even have access to that I don't even know. So I really love that. I right, coach the air, we gotta move through that. We're gonna actually skip Rollstar, guys, uh, because we're gonna run out of time here. I can list roll stars if you want. I can just tell you what I did, but we're not going to discuss roll stars just because we just don't have enough time. It's also, you know, probably not as important as just getting some coach of the year stuff in with the actual coach in here, and then and then talking about some playoffs. So, um, what why don't you reveal? Like, oh, actually, before you reveal who you would have gone for for coach of the year, um, what what's your criteria? Like, what do you what do you think people should know about coaches in terms of a coach's value? Because I think one of the other discussion points is that as as a collective in this entire league, whether you're a fan or even if you're from my position as a talent, maybe even from Yiska's position as a journalist, knowing what coach is doing and being able to quantify that tangibly and measure them, it's fucking impossible. Like, it's really hard to know what actually, how you're supposed to quantify coaches. And so what it always ends up being is it, it's either like, oh, best coach on the best team. Yeah, that's coach of the year. So Russian Moon won it, right? Or in this case, it's like, well, coach uh, heavily outperforms with his team's budget and, and gets a way higher result, aka Chris, i.e. Christopher, right? So, so where do you stand on evaluating coaches? I think it is also super hard. Uh, <laughs> you guys say it's super hard for you. I have like all the details as to why it's hard uh, as well, because even evaluating my own performance, it was the end of our season sunday i you know i use the off season as a time to reflect on like what i need to do better like what is my role what is my impact what what realistically is like something that affects the team in a meaningful way for performance or even non-performance issues right like uh it's really hard i still stand by and this is just a rough number but i still stand by a coach's impact like in the season 
is going to be between five to ten percent if you're a really good coach um five to ten percent i think your roster is the like you know each individual player or like your other six whatever players that you have on your roster playable players on your roster that's going to be like 90 to 95 percent um so i think a lot of like coaching is actually getting the right players before before the season is my opinion i think that's a lot of like really important things for like how you do it so there's the preseason part and then there's the season part and i think both are very important because let's say you have a great preseason and do that and then you can't make it work in the season then it doesn't fucking matter so you need some combination of both like i got this roster together and then i was able to make it work right um and i think you should be judged on both that's why both of my candidates are like christopher and he spells his name Christopher, but I'm just going to call him Christopher because that yeah, sounds yeah, yeah, idiotic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Christopher. And then I think Face is uh, really mm -hmm. underrated as well. Very true. He has 100%. won some tournaments. Uh, I, I was with him with the, in the roster building process. And like while that was hand in hand, like he deserves like, you know, full credit as far as I'm concerned. Right. Like um, we, we did that together, but like I'm not going to. Yeah, like that. A lot of it, you know, was just collaborative process, and you just give it to the head coach. I, I think you just give yes. it to the head coach for whoever's like leading that, right? Um, because I like know that it was a lot of me and face deciding things, and then Smash and Hunter came after, um, for like when we had made most of our decisions, um, as us two, uh, coming from the previous year, uh, and then we had like got, got the other coaches. And I'm not saying Hunter and Smash aren't good coaches, just to be clear. Uh, I'm just noting that, you know, if I'm call, talking about the preseason, like what, what you need to do to get the roster and then talk about the postseason, I think that is, you know, important that they were a part of the, the beginning process as well. So um, I think both have like strong merit and it depends what you value more. And I was thinking about this. I'm not actually sure. I think because face is so under it, it's hard because I'm like not objective. I really like face and love working with him and like i have worked with him uh and i also like the gladiators because that was the team i was on so it's really hard for me to say objectively but i think like what chris has done uh as well throughout the year is like crazy crazy uh important you know everyone had london like i don't know how low you had them but like bottom three bottom, bottom four. literal had, last place if you were a really optimistic fan bottom four right and i think that was part in due to like people over indexing from last year where it was like uh for lack of a better word, yeah. a shit show last year on London from like all the inside stories I've heard compared to everything. So like, I think people under index on the talent that they had. Um, and like, I think also people under index on the talent that they gained as well. Um, like you mentioned backbone and I think that was a big get. He was in some like tryouts that Glad's had as well. And I thought he was a good player, but it didn't make sense with Kev. Right. But like, that was like a possible thing we were, seeing you know we we had also saw that so and you know when you see something it doesn't necessarily mean anything i'm sure there's a lot of coaches who see a lot of things and just like you know they hit they hit they they miss they miss scouting sometimes is a bit of a gamble it's not a bit it is a gamble especially with like fresher players from contenders that aren't like known quantities such as like proper or something like that you know um so i think like yeah maybe he got lucky in scouting but you know that that's also a skill like people would say that we got lucky in scouting skewed as well. And I think that's a skill slash, you know, you try, you, you took a gamble and it did work. So, you know, mm -hmm. like, fuck me. If, if you're, we're going to say everything's lucky, you gotta, you gotta give credit to putting your, your chips on the table for when it, when it matters. Right. So I, I think like the roster is actually like better index than, or better uh, performing than initially, initially uh, 
thought of, but I also think, you know, the record they have now is incredible, incredible. What they've been able to do in the regular season is incredible. Um, I think he leaned towards strengths. I think, you know, he was in a meta that people didn't understand or over-indexed into, like, non-main supports, and he found his diff in the first couple metas with by playing Ryan, and I think that was, like, really, really important. Um, and I think they're even doing well in this dive meta, which you normally wouldn't expect, but I think with the addition of yeah. Khan, uh, they've been doing better, given now they have two flex supports, and I think they're both high quality as well. Like, Landon was originally a Brig player, and then Khan is, I, I think, has always been good, but just under undershining on Paris. So I think what Chris has done is like very, very impressive. And I think what Face has done, like just uh just because like I want to I want to pick both of them and it's really, really hard. But I think what Face has done is is like really impressive. First year as a head coach, um in the league rather, and then he wins his first two tournaments. Um and you know, one was against Proper who we, you know, we sucked him off so much I figure that's a big <laughs> accomplishment. Right, yeah. And the other was against Hanbin. Yeah, and the yeah. other was against Anbin. Yeah, who is an, I, I think Glads had like a way better strategy going into that. Like, I thought it was obvious Glads was going to win, you know, but, you know, that was just my opinion. I, I, I had not like specced any scrims at that point, but outside looking in from my Overwatch 1 knowledge, I thought they had like a way better strategy personally, and that like the power levels of Monkey versus Arya was like totally in favor of Monkey, and they had a good strategy. But, um, and also Patty was like very, very good at Soldier, which. Um, he was not good at Sojourn, but his Soldier was actually, like, very good. So I think they had, like, a huge uh, skill gap, in my opinion, in that meta. Um, anyway, yeah, Faye should be mentioned for that. And I think his is more weighted towards the preseason, whereas Chris is more weighted in the, uh, like, during the season coaching, uh, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So, and, and not saying that they either did a bad job with the their respective uh, other part, but yeah, I think... I don't know. It's a really hard choice. I I would be fine with either personally, and because of my bias towards face, I I assume that I should pick Christopher, I suppose. But also my inner part is telling me no one has picked face, so I want to give him credit nope. where credits due. But I, I don't really so, know. I, I think both are they can share the award as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> he is the one thing, and I agree. Face has to be the runner up. I, I think, or it's Toby, of course. Like Toby, what I think we tend to do be a bit, you know, na and easier. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I think Apex sucks this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm leaving the show. I'm, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but I, the, the weakest Apex ever been. Yeah, sorry, go. <laughs> the thing is that, and okay, this maybe you can tell me this is unfair, but it fe felt like the players that Glad's had could have actually won stage three. They just didn't substitute space into the position in time didn't make qualifications, and by the time quals came around, they were probably the best team in the league at the, at the meta. If they could have participated... A lot Chris of did anyway. Yes, Chris, Christopher Chris, Chris had that point. Had the point, like, they probably win that stage as well. Like, they were destroying strims in that meta. So, also, I will say, and if we're being fair, and not dodge that point, there are intangible reasons, or reasons outside the, uh, the game, why you wa don't want to make that move at that time. I understand that as yeah. well. It's not an easy situation, but I think inherently this team had the chance to have the season of maybe one of the most dominant uh, seasons ever, and then unfortunately they don't make they the it, yeah, yeah. The, the crucial substitution. But in general, and this is why I kind of hate the new uh, format. I thought it what what when I voted for Coach of the Year. I didn't actually vote for the head coach. I voted for the team 
but I understood that this is not something sexy to the viewer, so you need a face for it, and who's the best, best face? The head coach, right? So, like, I want to vote for face, but also then want to acknowledge the entire <laughs> coaching team. And I think right. I'll lose, uh, use rhetoric that you might be familiar with. I think Glads also has the biggest stack of, you know, cards in terms of like what kind of metas they just can pull off out of a head. Like if if one player or they decide like mid-series, you know, we can actually switch archetypes here. They just have that on lock. And I think like every one of those coaches brings like a particular archetype to the table that just like complemented them so well. And they, they could win tournaments in very different metas just because they understood them so well, right? And having the this fat stack of chances in terms of the meta archetypes that they have makes for a great team. It's still inherently a great gamble. Don't like don't get me wrong. I think like for instance London winning in season 1 is a complete gamble. They hit the playoff meta and then it works. Seoul almost winning uh against Shock or like I think that was probably the closest Overwatch League final we ever had. Like Seoul even making it that far complete gamble with, with the hawk situation and whatever right, right yeah so the the hitting the right meta during playoffs is inherently a gamble but what the best teams in the world are able to do is either force the meta very early into a p direction that where it looks like their perfect meta arch archetype is just the best in the world and nobody has time to look at elsewhere or they have the biggest stack and just have it on lock even if someone else finds the uh, best comp they can now execute on it just because you know they, they are just this flexible and have a, an understanding in, in a lot of ways. And I think from that point of view, I'm not saying like Christopher didn't, and I think this is also one of the points that Christopher had in the interview, is like a lot of them were like almost, they are, the analysis was like mimetic towards London. It's like, London won a match. It must have been Reinhardt. Well, guys, we didn't touch it in since like stage one. No, that's a hardy Reinhardt win. You know, like it's very, even though the guy has played Junker Queen more, has been pretty good on Junker Queen, it, it feels like also the analysis towards playoffs, like we need a Ryan meta in, if London was, wants to have a say. It felt re very reductive. And I think in that aspect, London has also exceeded that they do have more than this one uh, pocket comp, which is probably more than we can say about a team like Chengdu was last year, where it was literally probably just this one comp. Um, yeah, in, in general, I think... In terms of the, if we played like five, six stages and we just kept randoming the meta, I'm p picking Glads to be the best team in most cases just because they have the most metas they can hit with their roster and their coaching stuff. Yeah. So I, I think the flexibility in roster is like really important for that. I think it's, there's something important to be said that playoffs don't care about flexibility because it's an isolated statistical outlier right like you could end up with one particular meta yeah. and then boom it all your flexibility doesn't fucking matter right <laughs> you end up in a queen meta i don't care about your flexibility you're you're playing queen right yeah. so yeah i i think that's kind of important and i agree that that's a that's a very fair knock onto the glads coaching staff because that is like that it was the most quote-unquote coachable meta i think for sure was a new meta new heroes but also relying on like past knowledge of like uh, Arissa Sigma, like rush comps, bring back rush comps, goats. It was like a mix of everything, and I think that comp really like showed which teams fundamentally understood the game, uh, or like sorry, which teams. Uh, I don't want to even say coaches, but yeah, because I, I think that one was a meta that we could succeed in, and I felt like my theories 
were like mostly correct as well. Like we were very far ahead, but it, you know, still your players need to play the game and play like eventually teams will copy, you know, like gods by the end would, would see all this stuff and then be able to like gather together what is good, what is bad and why. Um, yeah. But I think that's a fair enough. Obviously, obviously the best face is face guys. And that's the end of that discussion. <laughs> I thought I, <laughs> yeah. I want, I want all the gladiators fans who came in with this massive energy about like oh well kefs has got two wins so how can proper be mvp kefs is obviously mvp i want you guys to apply all of that same energy to face when you talk about coach of the year <laughs> i have i've i've barely seen any glads fans come out and be like obviously face is coach of the year he's got two wins none of you none of you guys say that why, why is that why how come you guys don't back your head coach the way you back Kevster? I find that to be quite funny. I, I, um, I promise you, Hunter gets more vo coaching votes from the public than Face would get. Because Hunter does all the interviews and he's... He he's, has a mullet. Iron, un, yeah. Ironically, he's more of a face of the team. Ironically, because he's... and I, I also thought like Face got done dirty at mid-season as well because like Danny was just there. He's, he's interviewing... like he, he interviewed, I think, both Smash and Hunter and then just like didn't interview Face and just moved on. I was like, okay, so you... Okay. The head coach just doesn't get interviewed. That's really nice. Um, not, I mean, nothing against Danny. Is just, I don't know what it. I think he. I think even Danny literally thought Hunter was the head coach. Anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I'll just quickly. I'll just quickly talk about Toby and and then move on because we've got to get off coach of the year as well. Um, what part of the reason why I went for Toby is because I'm unbelievably biased for APEC. No, it's actually because um, it's mostly down to the fact that to me Toby is like. He's like, I I make a small comparison to Toby uh, to Christopher here, where like Christopher is is the guy making London potentially from a bottom team to a mid to to a mid or maybe even above mid team, like in a way above average team. Mm -hmm. Toby makes Seoul an average team and turns them into a championship team, yeah. like literally able to fight for a championship. Um, and part of the other thing is is like. I don't hold this against Chris. I think this is this is fine from Chris's POV, but I certainly thought this was like something that played negatively into Toby, which was the reputation coming on. And everyone knows that Chris is a great coach. I don't think anyone looks at Chris and be like, "Man, this guy." I don't think Chris should be a head coach. I think people were quite excited to have Chris on as the head coach of London, and that was a really cool thing to have. Um, but when you look at Toby, man, people were people were hating. They were like, "Man, Toby doesn't." Why would why why did Solby make Sol make Toby the head coach? This guy doesn't know how to coach. He's he's a he's a player. Um, some might even say that he was a wash player. Like, why why would you make this guy a coach? He doesn't know anything. Um, you know, at least at least he's got to prove himself in contenders, or he's got to be like an assistant coach yeah, first. Yeah. That's what everyone was saying. And then Sol's like, nah, fuck that. Make Toby the head coach. He's he has a vision. We're going to execute on that vision. I don't know how much the team building aspect Toby had on that team. Obviously, when we talk about uh, with David here, he and Face had a lot of input on building uh, the Gladiators. I don't know how much input Toby had on building the Soul Dynasty roster, but assembling that roster, acquiring Smurf from other options, and I believe the the way the story goes is uh, this is from Arnold. Profit had a big impact on recruiting Smurf by convincing him to believe in the vision of the team. And Smurf had better offers. As far as I'm aware, Smurf had better offers in terms of like I think financial compensation. But he was he was brought over to Seoul because he believed in that team. Um and maybe Toby had a part to play in that as well. We talk about vision of the team, right? Um so essentially what I'm saying is like I think Christopher turned London around and made them into a ringsable roster. 
but when you when you have a when you have a reasonable roster that gets built into like a championship roster from Soul, especially when previous versions of Soul were super disappointing, even their 2020 year, which has been their biggest year so far. Well, we talked about this. I mean, a lot of that was uh, was some was some major. I hate using the L word, but like luck, kind luck, of in yeah. the playoffs. You know, the whole gesture hog thing really helped them out. Massive change up in the meta. We heard this in the Christopher interview. It's like Chris, they were ready to potentially win the finals that year, and then boom, the hog meta came and everything just changed, and suddenly they lost everything. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I I, I just think like for a person that had below zero expectations forget about no expectations toby had below zero expectations because people expected him to fail no one expected chris to fail i think people expected chris to improve london everyone for some reason just automatically expected toby to be shit and fail um and for soul to be just disappointing again and then he comes and boom straight away stage one victory done because apac is a is a round robin you have to beat everybody you have to beat everybody and regardless of what you think about like specific skill level that doesn't matter what because it's it's still hard no matter what because when you look at apac results and how topsy-turvy it always is and how like chaotic it is in terms of who's beating who right the apac circle of like who's beating who is it literally is just a circle like everyone's beating everybody there's no free games uh i hate i don't want to speak negative too negatively but like i'm sorry but there's no paris eternal in the apac region you don't there's no freebies out here fellas um even the valiant the Valiant will fight you tooth and nail. They'll push you to Mat Fives. Valiant have had an unbelievable amount of Mat Fives. Guangzhou, humongous improvements. They will push you as well. There's no easy teams. There's no free teams. You fight around Robin. Every single team is fucking hard. Even Hangzhou Spark, who just randomly comes and beats Seoul. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like there's just there's just no free games. Everybody is fucking difficult to beat. So, um, I respect that a lot in terms of winning winning in that region. Uh, you you just don't get any free points. Every point you earned is hard earned. Um, so I I don't I I, I, I what, what pushed me over is just the the complete turnaround of the Soul franchise. And they have the best record they've ever had. This is the best year they've ever had so far. They actually won a title for the first time. This 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 org has never won a title. I think that's crazy. Um, no, they've never won a title ever. The Kickoff Clash was their first ever title as a franchise in five years. Yeah. Yep. And Toby just walks up and does it. So, like, the conversation between, like, Face just walking up, head, first-time head coach, two back-to-back -back titles, I, I fully agree. I think that's amazing, uh, which is why I also play this, apply the same kind of, like, you know, benefit towards Toby. Uh, but I think, the, the, again, the major thing for me was that Toby had negative, negative value coming into the season. Uh, and one was one of the only few coaches that had negative value in terms of perception. Um, I want to give a special... Shout out because you got you already we talked about face already and 100% agree with that. I want to give a special shout out to Gumber as well because I think he's one of the best roster builders possible that you have in this league. Um, he unfortunately has to consistently work with less than other teams. Um, and in comparison to Christopher as well, people were quite low in mayhem. I feel like the difference is when the preseason started and you know, people like us, Platchet, etc. We all started talking about Mayhem a bit more. We're like, no, Mayhem's Mayhem is probably going to be like a more middle of the tier team. But you have to remember, the fan perception of Mayhem the preseason was that Mayhem were like twelfth or thirteenth in NA, mm -hmm. legitimately. The fa fan perception of Mayhem was rock bottom, like London, um, and it took convincing from the rest of us who knew better. And trust me, we know a lot better. <laughs> um, it took a lot of convincing to be like. 
uh, Mayhem was actually not a bottom tier team. But even then, like I guess we were all wrong about London because we still put London at the bottom. Um, it, Mayhem's budget is very similar to London's, and then you have a situation where like London have a better season regular regular season record, but Mayhem have consistently outperformed London in every single tournament. London made kickoff clash. Sorry, uh, Mayhem made kickoff clash. London did not. Then beyond that as well, both midseason and summer showdown, the team that specifically knocked out London from that tournament, both tournaments, was Mayhem. Mayhem knocked them out. So it's like an actual one-to-one situation here where it's like, not only have Mayhem had better tournament results, they actually were specifically the team that ruined London's tournaments every single time, yeah. twice in a row. I think that's got to, you got to put the respect on that, which is why I think like, I think Chris winning would be awesome. Uh, I think most people voted Chris. And there's really no wrong answer here. I feel like Chris is a great candidate for it. Uh, but to give a to give a you know honorable mention, I think I think Gumba needs to be talked about a bit more. I feel like uh, con- yeah. uh, the act of convincing someone alone to join the Florida Mayhem is already like award worthy. I don't know how so many people missed someone. Like I I, I guess like Gladstone Needham. That's fair enough. But like everyone else. Like shock, okay. Shock was late to the party. They thought Super was going to be the guy, but imagine, like, honestly, this season looks different if if someone is on the shock. I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think there's just like bad scouting. We'll keep this <laughs> one quick. We'll keep this one quick because we've got to move right. to playoffs. We'll keep this one really quick. Yeah, sorry. I'll just say I think there's bad scouting, and I think the Mayhem roster was like uh, a roster I really rated in the preseason. Like this was, I thought, like a really cool roster, and like hit a lot of the players that I was interested in on GLADS, but just, like, there there was maybe no need or, like, too much of a gamble, I suppose. Like, yeah, I, I, I think that these, at least from my perception, what this was a good roster. And why I guess I don't put Gunba at Coach of the Year is just because I don't think he's, like, overperforming with his roster during this season. But I think the roster construction was quite good. But I don't know their record now, but it is, like, not as good as, say... What what I could expect? It's not overperforming. I don't think to its yeah. expectations. So. Well, I, I I think it's imp- I think I it's think an impressive. Super good, like yeah. but, that, but that's the thing, right? Roster construction is one of Gumba's primary strengths. Um, right. and and so like when you look at Mayhem, we're like, yeah, they had a pretty good roster. Remember, their budget is very similar to Spitfire's. Mayhem had a very impressive roster. Their ability to attract talent and actually like form these rosters is undeniable. I think Gumba's got a great track record for building incredible rosters. Uh, okay, let's actually, we got about 10 minutes left, maybe less than that. Let's talk about play-ins and, and playoffs. Um, we'll get right into the, the heavy shit. We're going to get right into hot stuff. Um, how are things looking for playoffs at the moment? Who do you think's ahead? Who do you think are the very strong favorites? Uh, maybe even just tell me who you think's going to win the season this year. Is Kariko going to have an impact on the playoffs? Are we going to see a very different meta in playoffs compared to where we are in Captain Cup? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Who wants to start? Go ahead. Uh, I don't even know what the patch notes are for. Are, no are one knows. No one knows. Live? Yeah, so it's really hard to know what, what the meta is. I personally I think we're think playing on live. Assume we're playing on live. Yeah, I think Assume so. Assume we're playing on live. Yeah, I don't think Kiriko is that good. I haven't seen it. Obviously, if I see it in ranked, it's not available in ranked, right? And hasn't been? No. Um, no. Yeah, it's hard for me to tell because I actually don't see a lot of people playing it. I No teams are scrimming on live already in preparation. Yeah. I haven't really asked because, you know, I'm on my break. <laughs> no, they, they, they are um, I, I already don't think Kiriko is that good. Like... I, I don't think her left click value is that good. I think her invulnerability is good, but like the timing of it's super hard in my opinion. Like 
uh, like that it's very delayed. Um, not that it's a bad ability. It's just like it's very delayed uh, and therefore like not forgiving for if you want to use this clutch like 0.5 second invulnerability, like you need good timing with it as well. So uh, I personally don't think it'll be insane. I think the skill cap of the hero is like insanely high, but I don't even know if you play it perfectly, like what ends up being the results of it. I kind of imagine that the playoffs are very similar to what is being played now, which is right. kind of scary for like who I think should win like like I, I agree with what yiska said earlier about having the most cards i think glads do have the most cards but it just matters if your cards are good at the right time right um so my general pick is glads just because i think they have the most well-balanced well like flexible roster flexible coaching staff like like uh yiska mentioned but at the same time i don't think those cards really matter it will have to really depend on that patch but I think the top three in NA are very valuable, and I think dragons uh, you should count back in. I personally don't rate uh, like APAC super high, but I remember I I just have nightmares about dragons last year and how I don't think anyone had a chance. I thought it was just dragons, and then Atlanta Glads is kind of how I felt like um, it was uh, last year. Atlanta Glads like damn uh, you you just rolled out that oh, okay you got that Never yeah mind. sorry 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 um, <laughs> yeah but uh, for the playoff meta I thought that. Uh, we and Atlanta had the best understanding of how to play. Just remember, David. Because we now that now that APAC gets to go to LA and they don't have to wake up early, they're gonna win. Yeah, that was the only yeah. thing holding them back. I don't know. I look at the quality of play that. of APAC and it just looks really low. And I look at the player quality as well, like what I envision as like what player talent is. I think, like you mentioned, there are no free wins in APAC, and I agree that the bottom tier is better than the bottom tier in NA. But I think that the top end is also like worse than the top end in NA by a large, but by a significant amount. And I think that was proven, at least like that was my impression before midseason madness, and that was more or less proven as well. In That's because I had to wake up early. We uh, talked about it's because I had to wake up early. It's, it's not the travel like. No, but I think I think I think I mean you could be on. right. You could be right, David, because I think like I think the part of the other reason why it's close is because the top is close to the middle and the bottom is close to the middle, and therefore everyone beats everyone. Yeah. Right, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I don't, I don't necessarily disagree there. Um, so just to clarify, you, you were heavy favorites for f winning the season's glads. Here, right? yeah, I, I would put glad. Like, I think they're all in the bracket is the thing. But I'm gonna give. I, I agree. Glads have the most cards. I think fuel demonstrates that they have the next most cards. And then I, I would put Shanghai there. And I'm never gonna discount a team with proper. <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to discount a team with proper based off all our previous discussion. But, but I, I would love it. Like Glad's Fuel, Dragons, and then uh, Shock slash Dynasty. No love for uh, Soul? No love for Soul in there? Uh, Dynasty, I guess, would be tied with Shock. I, I actually don't... Uh, I, I think that their strategy is actually quite good, but I think that like strategy tends to matter less in tournament, is my opinion. Right. Like, Player player skill exhibits itself highly. And I think Outlaws is actually a, a sleeper team. I... I I vote or I don't think I'd ever ever did an award show or, or sorry like a preseason power ranking, but I had Outlaws as a big 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 uh, dark horse and I stand by yeah. that. I really rate their talent on their team. Yeah, I really rate their talent on their team, and I think it's showing that they're actually doing quite well and can beat these top teams. But I don't know if they have it all together as a thing. They have a lot of holes, uh, they... like strategically and also like roster wise. But I think you can sort those out potentially. But I mean, uh, I think it's weird. Houston is like the literal definition of a dark horse. Yeah. Am I wrong? Like, I think they're literally, maybe Rain as well. Both Rain and Houston to me are dark horses Rain, going to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Rain is also, super interesting. I, I think they have the player talent. I, I rated Rain as like almost close to like number one player talent okay. in North America. It's not really showing, but their tournament result has always been uh, quite good, right? Top three in all the tournaments they've been in. And I don't that's, think yeah, that's mean. coincidence. No, I think Summer that Showdown, is... I think they... Uh, Summer yeah. Showdown, oh, they didn't, right. even, they didn't make it. They didn't right. even make yeah. it. I think that was yeah. a, a... Yeah, maybe a team understanding meta, kind of similar to Glad's, either a coach, coach problem or something. But I, I think their player talent is so, so, so high. If the meta gets figured yeah. out for them, like, it is great for them. Because I think, like I said, I think that really shows. So I would actually put Atlanta, like, higher than... Oh God! This season's cool. This season's really cool. The top teams are really cool, and I think Overwatch Two is really cool. That you know, all these teams are kind of close, and you could see a way in for all of them. Um, yeah. Real Rain quick, real quick. Really interesting. I think it would be funny as fuck if Shock of don't win the finals. Obviously, you know, there's no more tournaments left. If Shock just don't win the finals, but proper sweeps all the wars as someone that's won nothing. I think it would be funny as fuck. And I especially want that result, even though I'd love it if Shock win, but if they don't win, because it looks like a lot of competition, and then in proper sweeps everything, it would make the fans really mad, and that would make me happy. I, yeah. I, uh, one thing I should add, and this is, this is your, you know, one, one leak per episode uh, thing. Oh, nice, nice. I actually have to uh, correct you, David, here. Actually... Teams are scrimming and have been scrimming for a bit. Like the top teams were qualified, right? So they could scrim on live. Yeah, they have been scrimming live. Right. Yeah. And um, I've been shown some screenshots that they are definitely trying Kiriko. It doesn't doesn't mean that the meta entrenches there. It's strong. Yeah. Um, but teams are definitely also more than a block considering it. It seems. Like. Yeah. I I think it's fair to try. I think you want to explore and then want to like index into it a bit. My personal opinion is that the power level is not high enough, but I haven't really seen it used in rank. I'm just like theorizing, but I definitely think that if you're not trying to invest in Kiriko, then you're doing something wrong because you don't want another hog situation. Yeah. But I think you don't want to over index into it and be wrong. So you have to like, I, I imagine that this was the first week that people are actually trying because uh, what's mm -hmm. it called? It's the first week everyone's like, Overwatch more too. people know they're qualified. So they just gear towards playoffs. I've seen people on live servers just in custom games but at the same time uh, I, just my personal opinion is i don't think it's strong enough but i'm not actually mm -hmm. sure well, i haven't watched a single scrim and i've not even watched a rank game of kiriko in it so yeah yeah no i i, I also agree that glatz has to be your favorite like i just if you look at the season and the season gives you an idea of the probabilities going into playoffs like which team Glad, Glads were the best team of the season. I don't care about regular season records and like Fuel having them beat there. Like they won two tournaments. They could have won three tournaments. Um, and of course, like you gotta evaluate in there that they didn't. Of course, but I think I think also they they were perfect this stage, right? Like if there was a tournament this stage, I think they would win that as well. You just got to give it to them as as the leader of the probably stronger region this year. That doesn't mean it will definitely happen. But if I was a betting man, I'm I'm like they are twenty percent more likely than the next best team in terms of like, you know, like if you have how many teams are there in playoffs? Like too many, right? Twelve, <laughs> like twelve teams in in playoffs. Um, twelve divided by one hundred percent divided by twelve. You give whatever that is twenty percent more to Glads, and that's probably the uh, the chance that I would as assign. 
I think their acquisition of Happy also helps them personally. I think that like fills a Sojourn gap that was desperately needed in what is clearly more of a Sojourn meta, and that was not like Patty Pans or uh, Anz's hero pool. I don't think like in their hero pool. Whereas Happy, I think is good. I, I don't think he's exceptional at Sojourn actually, but I think he's like I'm not complaining about it, and it's a strict upgrade from Patty who they already won a tournament with, you know, um, on mm. that hero. So I feel like they filled a gap and increased their player quality, which is uh, for what already is like considerably like one of the best rosters in the league, I think puts them over the top for best roster in the league. I, I really think that acquisition puts them on the top for it. Do, do you think, I, sh sh real quick, do you think Shock will be, would be stronger if you were to switch Purple onto Sojourn and bring Sam out instead of playing Kilo and having him... Play a pretty I don't know mid sojourn. The, yeah, I don't know who the better sojourn is. I I never thought. I, I know. Sh I, I think shock like from rumors. You know, doesn't really rate Kilo's hit scan. Uh, uh, but like I personally think it's good enough. Um, maybe he doesn't like take space as well as Sam does or proper. But you know, his aim is still very good. He's still like a very good Ash player. He's always been a really good Ash player. He seems more like a grind player than like someone who understands the game, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like needs rank to grind it out and needs just like situations and like then he'll perfect it. Uh, so I think ranked is really important for those types of players, like intuitive players. Uh, and I think Dragons is one of those teams as well. So I, I, I kind of expect with Overwatch 2 ranked coming out that some teams actually improve faster. Um, or like look better than than before. I think Rain might be one of those teams as well. They're all very intuitive players, and I think the addition of ranked will help them a lot, assuming they're motivated, which is you know, uh, hopefully good. I, that people are just remember, guys, Stri Strikers on the team now as well. I don't believe that Shock are going to really use much of Sam or Kilo for the rest of the season because right. Striker Striker proper should be your duo to finish it out, right? If it's um, tracer, if it's Tracer, right, like. We don't really know. No, even if it's Sombra, it's well, we've seen Sombra as well. Um, what else have we seen? We've seen Sojin Genji. So I don't know if Striker plays Sojin. So that's maybe the only one comp where you're like, well, you put you maybe put uh, proper back on the Genji and bring out Kilo for the Sojin. Or if you don't believe in that, you bring out Sam for the Genji. But I think if, if you are the Shock, you, well, you'd lean to you lean towards more Striker proper comps. Right, those should be your specialist comps. You lean more tracer. I don't think they're going to do much of the, of the subbing other players. And I think personally, from my, uh, the way I look at shock, um, you want you want to play Zen Zen as well. I think you want to play Zen Bap Tracer if you're a shock. Like fits all your team really well and gets you the highest. Peak you'll play Diva too. Yeah, I think you want to play Kaluj Diva double flex. Uh, I mean, look at the look at the meta right now. Yeah. The meta is 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 off tank double flex support. That's perfect for the shock. Right? Yeah. That's exactly great. what they want to play. I actually think Shock are coming into a great meta. And another team that are coming into a great meta, um, you oh, know, wow. as a is is ah uh, yeah, I guess, but like more than Outlaws is I think Dallas. And the reason why is because they're peaking really high right now. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if the finals was something like a Kevster versus Harmon show in terms of who's carrying harder, because we're in I think a pretty solidified off-tank meta. Even APAC agrees, right? They've started to move away from a lot of Winston and moving towards the off-tanks as well. Um, but when you have Hanbin, who gets to play in Azaria meta, who gets to play in a meta where his specialist heroes are so strong, um, their backline is great. I think Edison's leveled the fuck up. Like He's, he's been so good now in, in, compared to where he was. Um, I don't know what's going on with the Doha situation, but Sparkle's always reliable. 
I think Dallas feel a, a peaking at the right time in terms of where the meta is going, and they're heading into a really good place in terms of what their specific strengths are. Now, you know, when we talk about player quality, I feel like the average player quality is still higher in the Glads, but what I don't particularly know if it's going to help the Glads is I don't know if from a tank position they're going to be, be good enough. Because you could argue that the EPS and support positions are good enough and more than good enough. But Reiner versus Harbin, or even Space versus Harbin, and I actually don't know if they're going to play Space. I think they just stick to Reiner because they're playing a lot of Reiner Zarya right now. Mm-hmm. You're really going to take Reiner Zarya over Harbin? I don't think so. So that's going to be a weakness for the Glads. Yeah. I, I also I think, agree. like, just... It, my Dark Horse, more so than Outlaws, is definitely Rain. Just because like, if you go into double flex support... Um, Meta, and I, I'm not sure if you would uh, agree, David, but Vigilante is fucking insane. Like yeah, at I this agree. video game, so like if you can double up there, I think that's that's generally probably your better look, depending on what the DPS situation looks like there. Hawk is always a stable, probably also one of the more underrated players this season. I think that they could could have a run, and also this is exactly the type of team that would make the decision. Look at the calendar, go like, oh, Overwatch Two comes out. Oh, we are already uh, like seemingly qualified, or like uh, like we have a pretty high chance to qualify. Let let's take it easy, and then once it's important, we just grind that shit out. I I I'm sure they are playing and sleeping, and then playing some more, right? Like they're probably one of the teams that are in in the hard grind right now. So, yeah. um, I'm not sure. I think Atlanta is in a position where no, they they are pretty locked, right? Yeah, they're locked in. So, um. They they could just, you know, be also one of the teams that currently scrim. So that's a huge. So I, I think Atlanta. I think they upset somebody again. I think just like last year, Atlanta come through this bracket, and you don't think they're going to be like the best team, but then they they just I don't know. Maybe they get second again. Maybe they get third again. Yeah. Maybe they really push for number one, um, and they upset a favorite. Like I think one of the favorites potentially get upset by yes. Atlanta, like like a Glad's. Uh, like a Glad's Dallas shock situation, one of those three teams could just randomly lose to not randomly, but you know they could just lose to Atlanta in the in the lower bracket, and then boom, one of the favorites is gone. Um, Atlanta are just that type of team. I think they are that type of team. Um, but I also I am for... curious about Houston because I think Dante's really leveled up on his heroes, and he's actually competing on the off tanks. I mean, they just beat Dallas. I think that's a really big boon for them. Yeah, I think what you said about the Glads roster is actually correct too. They they have this Zarya hole, and it's very scary. I think as Zarya becomes more and more relevant, um, I think it's really scary because you just have not that Reiner or Space are bad Zaryas, but they're just not exceptional, and you need an exceptional Zarya, right? Like it's not a hero that you can be an Exister on. You need to be a carry on. Yeah. Uh, and historically, Space has like you know uh, I I really love Space just to be clear, but his Zarya hasn't always been his best hero. Um, and then, uh, same with Reiner. It's not like, you know, he's flexing onto it and it's not Hanbin level and you're playing against Hanbin in, in actuality. Kaluj is also quite good at it, you know, more of a natural off-tank player who's, that's one of his big heroes in his role. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, like, really scary for Glads. Although, if there's a meta shift, like, it really depends on what the patch notes are, I guess. It really depends we on what the We just got patch notes. We just got live patch notes and there's no... No, no balance changes yeah. at all. We don't zero know. balance yeah, changes. That might change stuff based off you know, hey, based off our first two two weeks in Overwatch, like this is the changes we want to make, and then also this will go to 
playoffs or not playoffs that's always been a weird owl decision so that has actually like huge huge implications towards owl teams but um, it's really unclear so i i could really see like you know all these teams i could i see a way in you know i i see a way in uh yeah. there's just teams that i think are more likely and i think fuel they're dedicated in their direction and their direction and strengths are so clear at this point in the season that like that's a really cool in for them i think um david um it's like less clear yeah we've we've run out of time here i'm uh respecting yeah. your time so I'll, I'll just call it on your behalf here um we we didn't get to really talk about much of your season or vancouver or anything but i just want to give you the floor if you wanted to say anything to anybody give a shout out do whatever you want just want to give you the floor for uh sending us off uh yeah i mean one shout out to you guys uh i know that there's like not a lot of overwatch league content out there and i think it's really important that there is uh i think overwatch league is super cool we're talking about all these stories we're all super passionate about it and, and i think like between us and just like the competitive community the community that cares about overwatch league i think podcasts like this are like super helpful and i'm always happy to be on and uh, I, I love what you guys do and i love that you know it it helps our community in that way and for all the viewers who who are interested in owl like i think that's a big thing uh for my season i don't really have much to say i, I wish we could have done better and I, there's so many things i feel like i could have done better or you know the team could have done better uh that i wasn't able to achieve and i and i think like i wish i had more time to to kind of sort out these issues and i hope i do better next year wherever i go if it's with vancouver or not you know that's yet to be decided but uh for fans of me i guess like I'll I'll keep trying my best uh, to do the best I can, and hopefully you guys still have faith in me. So, uh, but yeah, thanks again for having me on, and I do have to go. So appreciate yeah. all the time, and I love talking Overwatch. I I love yeah. talking Overwatch. So anytime, anytime, guys. Thanks. Awesome. All right, final question: Did you get your jersey or not? I'm kidding. Episode two sixty six <laughs> is done. Thank you so much, Deepay. We'll see you next week.